Welcome to the Zealous Advocate Podcast. Join attorneys James Moore, Kevin Littlejohn, and Misty Blagg as they explore law, technology, and persuasive arguments. Sit back, relax, and listen to your zealous advocates. Welcome back to the Zealous Advocate Podcast. We're so happy to have you today. We're going to be featuring some sunglasses pitches later in the episode. But for now, we'd love to introduce our wonderful guest today. I'm going to kick it over to James Moore, my co-host, to give a wonderful introduction. Well, good morning, Misty. Good morning, Kevin. Good morning. I'm not taking my glasses off until (laughs) until I feel like the moment is right. Good good morning, (laughs) listeners. Um, First, in my humble opinion, I don't think this next guest needs an introduction, but I am honored to have the opportunity to introduce him either way. After graduating the Episcopal High School in Jacksonville, Florida, he, he was blessed with the opportunity to attend the University of North Carolina, Go Tar Heels. Go Tar Heels. Where he also had the, pri- the privilege of playing on the football team. As a senior, he helped UNC get to a record that I think, Shaq, in the past 20 years is probably the best record. It's been rough for us. They lately. have seen. Um, in addition to that, he received all ACC honors. Mm. Mm-hmm. And because of his efforts... He probably made the best decision of his life. It's going to crack you up, Shaq. Which was, <laughs> which was hiring, arguably, the two best agents in the industry, <laughs> in myself and Gary Shipman. Yeah. He had an opportunity to play professionally. It took a lot of begging and pleading on our part, Kevin, mm. to get him to the Houston Texans, but he made it. He, he made it. And, and then after his professional career, we had a short stint with him here at Shipman and Wright. He then joined the staff at Carolina, coaching staff. And that's where he became, I think, intrigued by what was going on in the NIL realm and collegiate athletes in general. Mm. He then made the transition to influencer where if you are – or have been a collegiate athlete, you know all about that company. At that point, NIL kind of took hold in the U.S. of A. Mm-hmm. It was passed where God bless America. God bless America, where at least student athletes could be paid for their name, image, and likeness. About time. Mm-hmm. Because of his knowledge relating to NIL and collegiate athletes, he was hired by. And I'm going to botch this probably, Shaq. Hills for Life, where he was the executive director. And his main goal was to implement strategies to try to get NIL deals. True for, advocate there. For, it's a strong brother. For Tar Heels, for, for, for football, uh, the, the, the Tar Heels themselves. Uh, he then transitioned to Better Up. He's an account executive now for Better Up, where he focuses deals with some of the most influential business leaders in the u.s of a a lot of health care and although he was an outstanding football player kevin amen he's an even better person and this is the shack rashad welcome i mean i almost want to toast to you shack the way you introduced you i'm so impressed (laughs) 
can only let the, the podcast down from there. Yeah. <laughs> well, it's good to see you. Yes, Great thank to see you. you. And, and look, I, I'm going to, and, and Misty's going to hate this, Shaq. Oh, Lord. But I'm going to go off script uh, for a second. It's like and, herding cats around yeah, here. And, and, <laughs> and for the listeners that do not know... <laughs> Misty is the backbone, Kevin. Agreed. She is the nucleus. Amen. To this podcast I'm the going mama. on. She's the one that ensures that you and I just don't sit up here and ramble. I agree. So it's a, it's so, a hard job. And I want to be clear, Shaq. The reason and, and that is all true. Mm. And I fundamentally believe that. But the reason he made that remark right there was because <laughs> he was to create the script for today. And he passes it along to Misty at the yeah. last minute. Yeah. And now he's guilty. So that, 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 I don't want you to think that that he, I, mean, I think he feels that way, but he wouldn't have said he felt that way had he not done well, what look, he had done. Okay? I'm a, it's kind of like James likes to tell you how good you are at something, so you'll do it. It's kind of like my father had the opposite thing. When he would have to do the laundry, he would really screw it up. Like all our white clothes would be red. And I then I my did. mom wow. would say, say, oh, you're never doing the laundry again. And that was his secret plan the whole time. Oh, so. It's like when my girlfriend tells me, don't you love paying Wait, for dinner? I'm like, <laughs> <laughs> I'm like well, who said that? <laughs> don't you like paying for dinner and driving Kevin? I'm like, all right, so so let's let's go uh, first, Misty. Thank you for your efforts. You oh, you are the reason that truly. this flows the way that it does. But I do have to go off script for a second. And and Tom, if you don't mind pulling up, uh oh, this video, oh, no. No. Really oh. because Shaq, as you know, this has been an extremely controversial. I would call it play in collegiate football in general. Mm. And it happened to be versus rivals, the, the uh -huh. Tar Heels and the Blue Devils, mm. where there was a play that you were a part of that some would say was intentional. Oh. Some would say was inadvertent. But yeah. now today is the opportunity to set the record oh. straight. So here's what I want to do. Good. I want Tom, I want you to play this video. And before Shaq responds to... You know what exactly happened in okay. this video, Oof. Kevin and Misty. I want you to give. I want you to give me your opinion okay. on whether or not this was intentional. Because look, if you can see, you know, on YouTube when you pull this video up, there's over 1.1 million views. Oh. Any thumbs down on it? There's a lot of thumbs down. Oh, it was intentional. I, I, I mean, look, any any Blue Devil fan will tell you oh. this was an intentional well, play. Well, prepares for what we're about to see. Well, you, you look. You'll you'll see. Shaq is coming on the field. Okay. Where they are obviously transitioning to a, a another play for whatever reason he was off the field. He's coming back on. Okay. And and whether or not the Blue Devil gets in his way, I don't know. But that's what we're going to find okay. out. Okay. Let's play okay. the clip, Tom. Let's, let's, let's play let's this it. clip. Okay. All right, Shaq Misty is going to come up oh, from the top. Oh, God, he's going look behind. Oh, oh, look at this. That by far was unintentional. If what? anything, well, I, to me, it seemed like he I tripped up. his shoulder. And, and, and totally look at intentional. What, what happened? What did I do? He I got mean, tripped see, up on his own feet. You see Shaq. Oh, he's not number two. Number he's two, he's definitely injured. No, he's injured. that's an acting job. He deserved it. He's an acting job. He's and, he, for Duke. He deserved and it. And then it goes back to Shaq. Look, what, what happened? <laughs> Shaq, what, looking around. Look, I need to dab this boy up. <laughs> yeah, I just blew him up. Shaq, that was. Uh, <laughs> and, and they even label it cheap shot. So, 
so so Misty, I mean, after watching that video, yeah. give me give me your interpretation, your opinion on whether or not that no, was an intentional. I think act. Shaq is a wonderful actor because he obviously dropped his shoulder and took the guy out. Let's just face it, but it needed to be done. It's Duke. I'm always going to support blowing somebody up on Duke where they don't get hurt permanently. They just you know their feelings get hurt a little bit. Mm. Well, I think mm-hmm. that ended that player season, yeah. Misty. Oh, so does well, that change? I take it? that back. <laughs> Sheesh. Mm. All right, Kevin, what do you he think? What do you well, think? Well, I, I saw the clip. Right. And I'll tell you this I don't know what may be ongoing legally with what just occurred there, <laughs> sure. but I think from brother to brother, I got to say that it was unintentional just okay. because I don't want to be the one to pin my man down. All right. I will say, I think I saw his feet get tangled up and him kind of, he kind of tripped down a little bit and I don't see much of a, as a shoulder drop than more of a level change. Right. You know what I mean? Right. Trip, fit, trip over the feet, levels change. I honestly saw number two sort of rock back a little bit. Then inadvertently, we got a little contact. Now did it, was it worth all that that number two did afterwards? I don't believe so. Yeah, I don't. So know. I'm I'm here saying right now on the record that that was certainly an unintentional, inadvertent contact. That's a part of the game. I mean, right. well, assumption it's pre-play is, contact. Right? The people have this all the time. I mean, pre-play contact. So so Shaq, let's let's set the record straight because I don't I don't maybe you have before. I know you know after you weren't you suspended a game for this Shaq? I think you were suspended oh, no. at one point. There he goes. Um. So after the game, I'm sure you had some some remarks to say about it, but I, I'm sure it was also catered to you know stay stay on the the line, don't say too much about what happened. But now that you're done, let's set the record straight. Was this intentional? Of course not. No, it was not intentional. But looking back on it, um, and I have to be very careful actually to say this. Looking back on it, had I known I was going to be suspended and that I would get death threats and that oh, I would God. get a million views. I probably would have done it intentionally and like actually, you know, done it. something. Like, <laughs> if you're going to serve the time anyway, you might as well commit the crime, right? Is that, right. Is that a kind of a legal saying? That's right. We, we That's don't right. endorse that. Yeah. No, no. <laughs> That's right. That's right. <laughs> so, so what what actually happened is Duke was known that year. They went fast. Their offense was up tempo. Me and the other guy that I was switching out with agreed. If they're going up tempo, we will never swap while they're tempoing because we'll get caught between plays. What ended up happening was this guy gets dead tired. He's a fifth-year senior. It's my freshman year. I did not know that college football was as chaotic as it is. So I'm sitting on the side. I'm like, oh, they're tempoing, so I'm just relaxing. I'm sitting on the bench. I got my water. I got my feet up. I'm hanging out. And all of a sudden, I see this guy. They get a big play on us, and he is rumbling and fumbling and stumbling down the field. He can't catch his breath, and he looks at the sideline, and I'm like, I got my water. I'm like, don't you do it. <laughs> don't you do it. <laughs> he just looks at me and bolts for the sideline. I'm like, somebody has to go play this snap. So I start running onto the field. And as I'm running, I'm looking over my shoulder to get the play call. Cause I know Duke's going to go fast. And so what you don't see in the lead up to that video is right before I come into the camera frame, I'm looking backwards, running full speed. Ah. I turn around and someone's in front of me. And what looks like I'm putting my shoulder into him, is me trying to turn sideways to get out of the way. Right. And he does, he does milk it. I would say this, and I've said it since day one, <laughs> if a 235-pound linebacker sprints into you full speed from the back, you fall forward. He falls backwards. Yeah. Oh. Agree. That's a well, great point. That's a great point. I think they teach acting 101 at Duke. I mean, we, <laughs> we see it in yeah. basketball, football. <laughs> All right, so Just here's saying. here's the only question, the only other question I have. Oh gosh, you got after this one? after this happened and 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 the spectacle that it created, 
Did you ever yeah. reach out to him and say, hey, man, I'm sorry. I'm sorry that this happened to I you. Hope not. It was unintentional. Did you ever tell him you were sorry? So I was trying to, actually. After the, after the game, they stormed the field. And one of my good friends from high school actually played at Duke at the time. And so their fans stormed the field. They ended up beating us. And I never found my buddy to talk to him after the game. I texted my friend and I was like, hey, how's Connor doing? I know he was a little dinged up. He's like, dude, he was totally fine. There was no <laughs> and the truth out. comes out. Yeah. And of course, I was a little I, I didn't mind it at all. In the moment, I, I had no idea that it was a big thing. I didn't know that anything had happened because if you keep watching that game, there's no flag thrown on the plate. The referee that was standing right next to it that watched the whole thing happen is like, no, that was an accident. So he doesn't throw a flag. We just go back to playing. We finish the game. We lose, and I didn't think anything of it. It really didn't turn out to anything during the game. After the game, I'm showering up. I'm about to leave, um, and I'm heading out the front door, and our media guy grabs me. He's like, yeah, you don't want to go that way, buddy. Like, what are you talking about? The, the bus is over there. And he goes, remember that thing that happened in the second quarter or whenever it was in the game? I was like, yeah. He goes, so this is a nationally televised game. Everyone is tweeting oh. about this right now. <laughs> you're getting eyeballs. He goes, there's about a dozen reporters out there waiting to ask you. Mm. We're going to oh. take the back door and sneak around to the bus. Oh, And head back to Chapel Hill. That's well, rough. The, wow. Well, the record's straight, I think. We set the record straight today. Un- unintentional. He's not changing his opinion on it. Yep. First time he gave an account on it on, on a... Telecast, webcast, podcast. We broke it. We broke it first here. Oh, right. Right. On the and there's one more thing I'd like to add if, if we're if we're making this a thing. Oh yeah, let's sure. do it. Sure. In the coming weeks, week, weeks, I got a few death threats, whether they were sent by Twitter, crazy. Um, your student emails online. So I, I didn't, of course, check my student email yeah. a ton. But when I did, I found some buried in there. Um, some on Facebook, but I was going through a thing where like I was having fun with it. Um and you know, I, I think Duke wonderful university and all that. But their fans are not. They're fun to make fun of. Yeah, Yeah. right. As I'm getting death threats, I'm like, this is funny. They they might hack my Facebook or something. (laughs) (laughs) One of the the death threats is so poorly written that I actually went in and like made hand like adjustments to it. So I've got a red pen. I'm making dramatic (laughs) and everything. And because I was getting death threats and somebody was dumb enough to send a death threat for me to the university and ask them to give it to me because they, you know, like, I don't know about this kid. So the university, of course, has to take it seriously that right. a student is getting yeah. risk. And so I'm meeting with police and everything. I'm talking about it. Like, I'm laughing. I'm like, no, this is fine. Like, this is okay. I actually made corrections this one. I'm going to email it back to the guy. And they're like, please, sir, do not. Yeah. That's <laughs> all the person that's already there. Oh. Wow. Well, mm-hmm. unintended consequences on social media. That's right. It's a... Uh, that's a storybook for all sure. All right, Missy, this is the last one. I promise. Oh my God. I promise Missy is going to kill you. You are can, in so much trouble, James Moore. We can, we can get to the substantive <laughs> stuff like this. Tom, I've got one more cue that's got to be set up for, for Mr. Rashad. And, <laughs> and and look, Shaq, I don't know if this is going to cause some sort of, of family issues, dynamics, but when I was looking <laughs> you up... And and I came to the Wikipedia about Episcopal School. The Wikipedia. The Wikipedia of, of Episcopal School of Jacksonville, Florida. Okay. When you look at notable alumni, Shaq, I want you to look at that last name. And I think yeah. that's your brother. Ooh. That is my brother. 
But I don't Ooh. I don't see on here a chakra shot. Oh, I, and, a travesty. And I don't I don't maybe you say that your brother is the one that that ended up in, including this on on the Wikipedia <laughs> or, or what it. have you, but but is there is there any kind of family issues dynamics dealing with this and you know is he is he more famous I guess than than you? Yeah, you know, James, maybe, maybe the answer to that is yes. You know, he he played for the Giants. You know, they get a lot of media buzz in that town. So probably more famous. I'll give him that. I'm not famous at all. So <laughs> it, I think that this is like saying, it being the tallest midget out of the tallest little person. <laughs> right, right, right. right. Oh, you about to get canceled, Shaq. You better be careful. <laughs> little people, Shaq. Little people. <laughs> Little people, tallest little person. So, 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 but, but also, what it is, James? We know my brother played a receiver. He played DB. He was more of a receiver in high school. Those guys that get their hands on the ball, they're pretty honest. That's right. That's right. Defense. I played defense. I played a gritty position. We don't want love. We don't want fame. We just want to go hit people. So, out there on the internet, more. That's good. That's all well. That's all you know. Fine. Um, but no, I, I'm I'm not in it for the glory, man. So I didn't even notice that. All right, I I, I was just making Fair sure. And, and look, I'm not trying to cause controversy. Is, the next but by saying that, dinner. you are trying to cause it. You <laughs> brought it up trying to cause dinner. it. I, I I just I didn't know if you knew that it was out there that he <laughs> is a notable alum, and unfortunately, you're not. And that's fine. I mean, as long as you're okay with it, I'm certainly okay with it. But uh, that's it, Misty. I'm ready to get to the substantive stuff. Oh, um, but th- those were some things that I thought were uh, no, necessary to clarify. I love it. Thank you, James. That was great. So, but I do want to shift to talk about name, image, and likeness, and and really, we've we've had you know some time to see how this is playing out. And I wonder, I wanted your thoughts on what the impact to college athletics that we have seen at this point. That's for you, Shaq. Shaq, (laughs) sorry. Oh, sorry. You're just saying, you're saying they're not into the question. Like, I was getting excited. I was like, who's going to take this? Like, well, you go um, first. You want your opinion. I think that it's had a, a, a massive impact on college athletics. You look at how it's impacting recruiting on the front end, how kids are thinking about where they're going to go to school. And then after that, it's impacting whether or not they're staying. I think kids are transferring faster because of it and kind of coming in conjunction with the, the transfer portal. But also, like, uh, you, when money's involved, people are going to make that decision. And mm-hmm. so I think there's been a massive impact. I think that a lot of the negative emotions and feelings and then thoughts you hear from people on it are because of how much it's changing the college athletics model that they're used to. And I, I'm not naive to the fact that it is changing the model. It does feel kind of broken because it's so choppy and messy. I'd argue that that needed to happen. Like, I, like what's like? Sure, it's different and it's broken the model, and it, we all have to change and get used to it. But at least now, the people that are making all this money for a billion dollar industry, like, are getting some of that money. Yes. So I look to deal with some years of feeling broken and and uneven. And sure, it's it's different in states. Like, fine, but I'd rather figure that out that's a better problem to have than the previous problem. Yeah. So there's no doubt it's good for the athlete. I think we can all agree that far too long um, they worked really hard and didn't get anything for it in college. But Kevin, I'd like to know your thoughts and what, has it been good for the universities? Well, and that's what I was going to get to with, with you, Shaq. Mm-hmm. I, I, I hear at least from the coaching staffs, at least at these power five schools, a lot of them appear to be frustrated by the fact that it's hard for them to develop the continuity required to have a championship competing team when year after year you're losing your five-star recruits and integral members of your team to the transfer portal. 
um, mm-hmm. which, you know, I, I certainly, much to your point, I think that's a better problem to solve than the problem of having thousands of collegiate athletes not being compensated for the use yes. of their name, image, and likeness. Um, but from a university perspective, I mean, I think it's it, it, it only enhances, and when I say enhances from a university perspective, I'm talking about the amount of money that then pours into the universities because I think it excites the alumni, excites um, those members who, you know, want to make investments into the university to go ahead and do so because now, you know, everybody wants to see their school. Everybody's like, oh, Carolina, we need to have the best, we need to have the best athletes. So if Duke's paying guys or giving guys X amount of money or X amount of opportunities, surely we can do the same. So I think it diversifies the opportunities that the universities are able to offer sure. to these collegiate athletes. Um, so I think it's a benefit for for universities. I think universities largely appreciate it. I think it's the actual athletic programs, like the coaches who are the only ones that appear to be at least frustrated at times with the way that it develops. Well, it's a little bit harder to build a legacy team, right? Yeah, you know, it's It's a lot more challenging and a lot of coaches, that's really what, brought them to fame so how does james how does that change the way coaching contracts are written now uh coaching contracts i'm i'm not sure it changes much at all and what i mean by that is they're they're still going to get paid that crazy amount of money that the coaches get paid um now whether or not some of that at least from a university standpoint is is tried to trying to be poured into the students more student athletes i'm sure it is but you know, if you, especially if you're talking about the Power Five programs, they're yeah. going to figure out a way to to not only pay their coaches but to pay the student athletes, and that yeah. comes that comes from the boosters, that comes from the alums, where you know you've got to you've got to be more dedicated in making sure that you raise the funding mm-hmm. necessary to now support both. Right, but does that change, Shaq? Does that change? Our perspective on short-term goals versus long-term goals when we're building those compensation uh, models. I think you still. I, I think that the contracts you you still have to think about in terms of long-term because I don't think the coaches are willing to put the genie back in the bottle and start signing one two-year contracts. Yeah. Like yeah. people, you have one good one good season. You know, you have a 10-1-11-1 season at some schools, and they'll sign you to a ten-year contract. Like, right. Great. So I don't see those coaches being willing to go back on that. But I do think in terms of coaching, what changes now is you'll see more of those GM roles popping up. Like you used right. to have Interesting. director of player development, director of player personnel, those things. I think that now you'll start to see titles more often. Like UNC has one now. A lot of schools have them. Tennessee has one, and I'm sure plenty others. It was like a, a GM of football, and they were really thinking about it. And, you know, I want to be careful here. They don't control the collective, so they're not deciding whose <clears throat> money's going where. You know, they're following state rules and everything. But you are thinking about personnel in terms of like, okay, we have this player here. And when you're thinking about replacing them when they graduate, when they go to the NFL, another thing you have to think about is like, okay, well, how do we replace this person if they decide to transfer out? And so schools are having to think like, like professional GMs now in terms of, okay, how do we build up somebody behind this person? How do we build depth in this position? And like now they at least have to earn those those paychecks. They're getting yeah. those crazy contracts. <clears throat> I was wondering this too, Shaq. I'm sorry. No, I'm sorry to cut you off, Missy. I was wondering this as well, Shaq, because now you're seeing collegiate athletes able to monetize, you know, their – you know, name, image, and likeness across the spectrum. Are you finding or learning that more students are willing now to stay longer at a university or in the university to maybe get a degree because now they don't have as much pressure to go professional to receive money. And so they can also get a benefit from being able to get a four-year degree in case things don't pan out professionally, knowing that they're now getting paid for at least, you know, three years while they're in school. 
Yeah, I, I, I won't pretend to have seen a stat on it or anything mm-hmm. to know it you know, for sure at a large. But like, I I know people for sure that left college early because they needed to get yeah. money right. for whatever mm-hmm. reason. Maybe they had a kid, maybe they just want to support the family, uh, whatever the reason was, but they had to leave college early. And they right. left early knowing I will not be drafted as high as I'd like to be. Mm-hmm. I'll get drafted higher if I stay a year, but I cannot afford to not go make some money this year. And so now um, you can do that. You can make money in college. And, and no, maybe it's not going to be the millions you would make if you go pro, but you're able to make enough that like things are at least okay. And it buys mm-hmm. you some time and you're in a good spot where you can actually you know, um, help the family be able to send somebody back home or help yourself or whatever it is you need to do. Um, and then, yeah, I think that there are some schools now, like you, you look at the draft class last year, two years ago, whatever it was, that was a kind of the first one in the NIL times. Right. There were players that just looking at what people at their school made after they left, there are players that would have made more money in college than they did in the NFL when they got drafted. Dog. And it's insane to think about, but yeah, at that point, why wouldn't you stay? Well, yeah, yeah. absolutely. So, um, you know, are you think athletes, we're starting to see high school students be able to yeah. monetize their name, image, and likeness. Do you think athletes are getting enough education about what it means to enter these types of agreements? And if not, you know, what, what can we really do to advocate for that increase in education? Yeah, that's a, that's a big old no. Uh, I think that... <laughs> Like not even, we wouldn't even have to go back to high school for me to answer that question. I think professional athletes in a lot of cases aren't educated enough of what to do with the money. Um, But no, I think what we can do is there's especially the ones that you know are going to be put in crazy situations, right? That the top ends of those classes, those recruiting classes, you know that there's a good shot now. They'll see seven figures when they come out of high school. And and like you need to take those people and get them in something like find I don't know what it looks like, but a system, a model. I don't know if it's some kind of not union, but maybe it's like a group, maybe it's just something that's kind of there for their benefit to, so they can ask questions. I know that when I was coming out of high school, there was the national clearing house, you know, with the clearing house, if you had a question about what I need to do to be eligible, what I need to do for this, what I need to do for that. That's where you would go for those questions. So maybe there's an NIL version of that, that hosts like a monthly call or something, or you can learn like on a webinar and you can ask questions if you need. So something in place to be able to help them, but no, there's, there's not nearly enough to put in place to educate them. I know that a lot of schools, states have their own things. I don't know if it's changed, but the state of Georgia, when July 1st, 2021 hits, they had something in their NIL bill that you had to have X amount of hours of education on X, Y, Z topics. A lot of states did stuff like that. But even then, if I'm the University of Georgia or Georgia Tech or whoever, and I have 500 student athletes that I have to get X amount of hours of education on five different, when do I get them together? Because they're yeah. they're not they're never all out of season. They don't have the same schedules. So it's a problem for everyone. I think it'll take a lot of figuring out, but I, I still think it's it's worth the hassle. Sounds like something we need to work yeah. on. Advocacy efforts yeah. Now, there. as you were at Influencer, when you were there, what was sort of your role in um, I'll, I'll say creating the space for collegiate athletes to explore corporate opportunities to have endorsement sponsorships and things of that sort. Yeah. So influencer was really built as a, um, like an end to end software solution mm-hmm. from the school's perspective. So it's hey, NIL is coming on July 1st. Right. Um, everything that you're going to need to manage that, whether it's the compliance needs, student athletes, finding opportunities, um, donors or businesses trying to reach out and connect with student athletes, social media, branding, like building up your brand, like all of that we put into a software solution. So it's an app. When I say we, not me, I was not a software engineer. Not, <laughs> uh, you can talk that talk, Shaq. <laughs> the smart people built it, right? They made this solution. And then from there, I was the one that sold it. So I was, we had two people that were selling into like, um, this specific product in collegiate athletics. So I kind of covered half the do it everyone schools in the country. So I was just like, 
going, you know, metaphorically, of course, at the time that it was, no one was really traveling much, but going door to door at these universities, kind of speaking with ADs, heads of compliance, talking about this thing. What was really cool was that because we were the ones that were kind of having all those conversations and nobody knew what was happening, uh, we were kind of the consultants in the space too. So I get on with some ADs and talk to them and all of a sudden they're like, hey, so what is this thing going to look like? I have no idea. Yeah. <laughs> Dude, it's June 14th. You should figure it out. <laughs> <laughs> but, but it was a good time. Um, but no, I was, I was selling that software into Collegiate mm-hmm. Athletics. So, James, do you think the NCAA or even the High School Athletic Association in, in respect of states are doing enough to sort of provide oversight and regulate name, image, and likeness agreements? Mm, absolutely not. Um, and, and I think the problem is I'm, I'm not even sure NCAA knows where to go now. Yeah. Um, be, because of the concern, you know, you've seen the most recent cases uh, where – there's this debate on, hey, are student athletes now employees mm-hmm. of these universities? And so now NCAA is taking this step back saying, hey, you know, we don't want to be the one handling all of these rules, regulations, because we're going to be sued. Yeah. So they're 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 kind of pointing to the federal government yep. to create some sort of standard that everyone has to abide by. And the federal government doesn't want to do it either because, yeah. you know, you're going to have you're going to have split, as we always do, split personalities on what should or should not be done. You know, you're going to have one of the parties wanting to enforce regulations and policies. And if that party wants to, guess what? The other one doesn't mm-hmm. because there has to be right. some sort of controversy between it. So yeah. I, I think everyone kind of has their hands up right now saying we don't know what to do. And they keep pin, you know, pointing at each other. Yeah. Federal government, NCAA, you make the decision. You make the rules. Right. Shaq, have you seen any particular situations or, or areas where the NCAA does need to step in and, and provide some more oversight? site when it comes to name image and likeness i I think that i'd say most of it not from a sense of like regulating it or taking it backwards i just i'd appreciate some sort of consistency whatever we land at as long as it's not taking that right back away from athletes um i would appreciate some sort of consistency because i do think it's a problem that um there are kids that will now move in high school so they can go to a state where they can make money in nil because they have some deal with the school's collective, you know, and like, that's, that's a mess. You shouldn't be having right. it. But if someone would offer me $3 million to move to a new state in high school, <laughs> I would do it. Well, I, that was confusing to me though. Cause did you follow that one story from the recruit out of Florida who was promised uh, X amount of dollars? It was some NIL deal that he had said he was, they told him that he would be securing. Then he got to Florida and the deal fell through. And, he, but I think yeah. he had accepted his scholarship and he was in a weird position. And I was like, well, this is, this is a major issue. If these deals can fall through, but right. you're still committed to attend the school separate and apart from your NIL contract, what do you really do? I mean, you've, you've, you've lost the benefit of your bargain, so to speak, but that wasn't what was bargained for in your acceptance of the scholarship. And that's I, I do remember following that. And I thought yeah. that was so interesting because I felt like, and I didn't know if this would hold up, but I felt like at that time, at least, the school and the collective had to be different. They weren't supposed to be communicating and mm-hmm. all like, about like who's getting paid, like, anything. And so it was interesting to me. I was like, if Florida lets him out of this deal, is that admitting that? Right. Like they're saying the reason he was coming is for that money. Like, right. That? <laughs> and so I thought that was super interesting. Uh, but no, I, I followed that. I think that's a mess. Uh, I, I thought that 
I thought that the kid would end up suing the collective is mm-hmm. what I thought would happen because he signed the contract to understand they pay it. And I don't know. And maybe he didn't sign. I don't know how it all worked right. out. Yeah, but yeah. No, that, that was a mess too. I, well, I, and it's sure to happen again. Oh, I mean, yeah. sure. I, I think yeah. it's, it's going to be a continuing pro- problem for sure. Well, I, you know, and I have a big concern. I had a, a daughter that played D2 athletics and, you know, there was some issues there with the coach. Who is really representing the athlete? Mm, you know, is there a conflict? I know, Shaq, right. we've talked about this in the past. I mean, what's your thoughts on that? Representing the athlete is just in well, just for protect them because I found you know going to the athletic director really they own their allegiance to the university and and so and in the NCA it's really hard to get their attention to get them in the school doing anything so who's there protecting that was the athlete? The worst wink I've ever seen in my life. James just winked at me and that was you guys that was painful. Dude. This bromance is killing me. Right, Shay did a little bit like this. <laughs> <laughs> um, I think that that goes back to the side of education. I think I think there are people that try to do a decent job, but it's hard, you know, because everyone's on different schedules. Everyone's doing different things. Mm-hmm. I, I think that when you talk about the Caleb Williams, the Drake Mays, the mm-hmm. Marvin Harrison Jr., it's like who's representing them is like the same people that are representing them. Maybe not. They, they can choose a different agent, but like they're getting top notch agents and they're getting top notch attorneys and all that stuff. So they've got that. But I agree Like for those folks. Just the, the average, middle, the you know, going, yeah, for the average people, which yeah. is 99% of college athletes. Right. They don't have nearly enough representation, enough education, none of it. Um, there was a deal that came out right when NIL started. There's this company that's like gaming and you can stream your gaming and all this. It's mm. so easy. Just sign this contract. And then like three weeks go by and everyone realizes buried on like the ninth page of this contract. It just seems super straightforward is that they were selling their likeness to this company in perpetuity for a total. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. Or something. Mm. And so like, there's no one there for those people. Um, I think that what a lot of schools have done, to try to remedy that is they've taken their on-campus um, legal counsel or like whatever they can have students that are kind of offering up their time that will review the contracts to help the athletes out. But that's depending on a 19 year old kid going out of their way to, to, to yeah. do those things. Right. Yeah. You're absolutely right. Well, I want to focus to another subject. I think you and I have talked about is just health care for the athletes. And, you know, there's this tension between the athletes getting the proper medical treatment that they need and the, the interest of the coaches and having the athlete on the field or on the court playing. And, and I'm just wondering if athletes are really getting the care that, that, that they need. What's your thoughts on that, Shaq? I think it's different for everyone. I think it's all over the place. Like I, I can think back to when I was in school, like there's always, always, always when you've got, and this is not a knock on any coach I've ever had or anything like they never would have had to force me onto that field. But when you've got multi-million dollar contracts on the line for, for coaches and then you've got tens of millions of dollars coming into the sport because of ticket sales and this and that you want the people on the field that are going to win games and right. bring more money to the university. So of course you want to be in there. I would also say though, like when you're a competitor that spent your entire life in this and you want to, you want to do it no matter what, like you, you want to play. And so, um, sometimes you, you'll play against your better judgment and maybe there's some pressure from the coaches. I think the best the schools can do is provide all the resources and all the education. I think that we have, most schools are doing that. Um, there are people out there. We've seen stories of it that are pressuring people to play when they probably shouldn't be. Yeah. But I'd say that for me, like, they were more likely to have to pull me off that field <laughs> to make me go out there and play. And I think that's the case for a lot of people, but there are times when maybe, you know, at 19 years old, maybe that decision should be taken from you. I don't, I don't know what that looks yeah, like. Yeah, that's true. Really, James. People are all, so yeah. how, how, you know, in representing 
the athlete, the professional athlete, the college athlete, you know, how do you get in there and advocate for your client when there's a dicey medical decision um, that, that you're really your client, the athlete, is, is concerned about? Well, when it, when it comes to professional sports, at least with the NFL, we don't care what the underlying injury is, at least from the team physician's perspective. We always get a second opinion. It's obviously going to be based upon someone outside of the organization because how this plays out is dependent upon how long that you're out, whether it's injured reserve, you know, whether you're out for the, the season, et cetera, the team has to pay you so long as that injury was football related. So it's obviously the team physician's, you know, best interest and the team's best interest to make sure that period of time is the shortest it possibly can be. Versus, you know, you going and getting a second opinion from an unbiased right. physician that says, hey, and this has happened to, to some of our players. I mean, Shaq knows some of them where, you know, team says this is a one or two week injury. You know, we're going to pay you the twenty, thirty thousand that you're owed. But when you get that second opinion, it's a season ending injury where rightfully they should have been paid the 400 500,000 for the year because they're not going to they're not going to be playing football for the rest of that year. So if you're not careful from an advocate perspective, mm-hmm. from an agent perspective, <clears throat> these guys are going to accept those deals and when that one or two weeks is up, mm-hmm. guess what? They still can't play football and they're just sitting at home. No other team's going to sign them right. because they know that they're still injured. So it's a it's a difficult position to be in as a player. I think the agent helps that a lot because they can take it on themselves. Because back to Shaq's point, they want to play. Right. Yeah. The, these are And they want to prove themselves. A lot of these guys are fringe guys, maybe on the verge of making a 53 or practice squad. And they want to be on the field no matter what. So, I mean. That's well, right. how do you protect them from themselves, Kevin? And what's what's your role in that as as their agent? It's a lot to James's point when, you're, when you are courting a prospective athlete that you're going to sign you've got to build that relationship initially with them that they can be confident that you're not going to tell them anything that's not in their best interest yes and so if you build that relationship that way and then there's an issue that arises where to james's point there needs to be a second opinion because there may be an issue with respect to the athlete being able to perform they feel comfortable or at least can accept the fact that throughout their entire time working with you, you have always had their best interest at heart. That's true. Because you've got to have, and, and I think from an athlete perspective, especially in professional ranks, they're looking right now at a, you know, let's say $814,000 contract for one season. Right now is what they can get. And so they want to get on the field right now to get that money, not thinking that maybe a year or two from now, if you play this thing correctly, you can come back and get it again because if you work now and go on the field too early, you won't have next year. And now you'll have a season ending injury where maybe you right. get forty, forty five, $50,000 when if you would have done what we had asked you to do, you would have had an opportunity the following year to go ahead and get, you know, million dollars, million dollars, whatever it may be. Um, so it's always being able to give the athlete the perspective of what the future can look like, despite what right now may present to you. Yeah. Um, so that's what, I think that's a great agent. Point. And the same occurs too, Misty, in, in collegiate sports. I mean, you know, Shaq was blessed with being able to come out of UNC, 
you know, transition transition straight to pro- professional football, mm-hmm. not having any, you know, injuries that were an impediment to his abilities. But mm-hmm. there are some student athletes. They come out, they're finished with football, and you find out from medical exam, hey, we have this core muscle injury. Yeah. Or something that's gonna keep you out for a while. And and it's it again is back to Shaq's point where the student athlete was doing just enough to make sure that they could keep staying on that field because they're 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 competitors. They want to be on the field. Right. They don't want to let their Foot teammates injuries. Down. That's, that's a lot happens there, I think. That's right. So from an yeah. advocacy perspective, even after their collegiate days are over and you see these medical exams and you see the underlying injuries, you've got to go back to that university mm-hmm. and, and you say, you know, whether it's UNC, it doesn't matter where, hey, UNC, you need to you need to pay for this. He's going to have to have surgery. That needs to come from you guys and not out of his pocket because this was something that he sustained while he was playing football for your university. This was not something that happened after the fact. And well, let's talk about education. I think that's that's a point right there. I feel like a lot of athletes don't don't realize now has everybody seen the injury that naheem hines suffered on a jet ski is everybody oh yeah up on that Mm -hmm. i'm sad so Shaq, you know when you're when you're in those contracts and you have all these clauses where if you're you know doing dangerous activities riding a motorcycle you know riding a jet ski you know you may not receive any kind of compensation if you're hurt or or different sort of contract provisions how does that affect you as just a, a human out there trying to live and have fun as a young man does that do you generally see athletes abiding by those those uh clauses and and shag before you answer i know you didn't listen because we can talk about the injury you sustained doing something other than football but go go ahead i can't wait to hear this (laughs) there's a couple of them for me i was gonna say um I, I think that the smart ones probably do, but you take a group of people who, you know, make money to run full speed and hit their head on other people. It's not a bright group, for, you know, largely. So, uh, so no, you're looking at a group of thrill seekers. Like, what are the stories? Like, there's Marcus Mariota who had something put in his contract where he was allowed to surf. Um, was it Jordan that had the love of the game contract? They're like a clause in his, like people are like, I'm not going to stop living my life. Right. And arguably it's unfair to ask uh, a lot of these uh, things that they put in the contract. I don't know if it's unfair. I don't know if it's unfair. And is there a way to contract, is there a way to handle that with some sort of, of insurance plan or, you know, some way to allow athletes to have a, a life? Mm -hmm. I mean, some of these contracts are very restrictive. Well, they have, they, the, uh, James will know the, uh, Lloyd's of London right. was one of the first major um, insurance companies and its underwriters to start insuring body parts and, yeah. and things of that sort for athletes. I think Aaron, uh, what's my man's name? Alex Rodriguez had maybe his left or right shoulder or arm insured. I mean, Rod Carey had her legs insured, but athletes definitely get, or famous athletes get, um, Insurance policies, but I'm looking. I'm not looking at Shaq because Shaq is. <laughs> but no, I was going to say I think it's fair though. I mean, if if I'm going to pay you, for instance, in a in a, in a Kirk Cousins deal, three years, eighty seven million dollars, fully guaranteed, mm. and you're getting that money, rain, snow, sleet, or shine. I need to know that you're not out there doing something that could. Impen- or infringe upon my investment. You don't need to be out here rock climbing. You don't need to be doing free free rope rock climbing. You don't need to be doing deep water scuba diving in the Maldives. You need to be safe and sound. So every year I can say, hey, 
I gave you $28 million and, and I can appreciate that investment. I would, I would say that now, you know, obviously the NFL athletes push back on that, but it's the, it's the cost. Charles Barkley talked about this with John Morant, you know, and then things of that sort. And his is a little different, but these people, this is what you sign up for. You know what I mean? You sign, I, you sign up to play the sport, get millions of dollars. And, if and you not can't, have a life, Misty. I and mean, not have a life, but if you mean to tell me, if you want to go skydiving, go skydiving. Just don't play for me. Just don't play for me because if, if it's dangerous enough, I, don't know. I might lose my investment. A whole lot like I'm your property. Then, no, right? you're not That's my. Right. You're not my property. I'm I'm paying you twenty eight million dollars. I'm looking at you. <laughs> I'm paying you right now for you to be healthy for the next three years. I know you're going to get injuries, mm -hmm. but don't don't make it more likely for you to get injured, especially doing something that's not football related. When I'm giving you tens and t hundreds of millions of dollars now, I will say I understand the owner's perspective on that. Do I agree with all time? No, but. It makes sense. Are, are you are you advocating for John Morant negotiating a clause into his contract that allows him to dance with a gun on his well, This is what I'll say, Shaq. We've got the Second <laughs> Amendment in the Constitution. The framers put it in there. How can you say he can't have a gun on camera? I mean, he's got he's got it. He's got the right to do it from the founding fathers, Shaq. I mean, and then but. Hey, you want to play on my team? Morality you want to play in this clause. league? You want to yeah. play in this league? It's the it's the the brand is what is it? The shield is bigger than one player or one yeah. team. Mm -hmm. Yeah, they have a whole lot of say. They have a whole lot of say over. But a let the brother life. hold the strap. <laughs> <laughs> oh, jeez, Louise. Yeah. Well, let's let's move into a topic. You know, really, when you're and you have lived this out, Shaq. You know, when you've. Um, played in athletics for so long you know you develop all of these really wonderful skills that make you a great uh, coach a great employee a great you know person great, great in man. general a great man or um, woman we focus a whole lot when we get into our professional lives. We leave this term called coaching and we move into more of this term called mentoring. And I really think they're different. And from what my self-discovery is mentoring, the um, responsibility is placed on the mentee, right? You're, you have to set up the appointments with the mentor. You have to go to the mentor. And I think young in your career, that's a really difficult position to put in. I think we should move more to coaching where the impetus is on the coach to teach what's your thoughts on that shack i love that it's actually like part of what we're selling now better up where i'm at like is coaching um and it's it's really interesting like, i had never seen it in a professional setting before but then once i did like once i got here and once i started thinking about coming here and then ultimately did one thing that was really interesting to me is like you spend all your like you think of the better people in the world that are the absolute best of their jobs and think about what percentage of their time is spent getting coached and what percent of time is spent actually doing the task right so like tom brady best quarterback to ever live or unless you want to say patrick Mahomes, like whoever you want to say they play 16 17 18 19 games a year and practice 200 something times yeah. you think about special forces they spend like 85 percent of their time in training and practicing getting coached 15 20 percent deployed and then you ask like your whatever it is whatever role they are at your company or organization or some young employee that you hire you're just like just show up and every day is a game time but i'm not going to give you any coaching just right. on your own so it's a crazy concept to me that i had never really thought about but no I'm all, I'm all for it i think a lot of people like it is kind of a weird and funky feeling at first like what is this that i'm going through yeah once you settle into it and get get used to it like I find myself going into my coaching sessions now that I have thinking about the same thing on the way to like football practice. I'm like, okay, so in football, like I'd show up at the field saying today I have to get better at my, my read steps and my, my 45 degree drops. I go into a coaching session. I'm like, I want to get better at this and I want to get better at this. And like, you think about it that way and you start to make incremental progress, but it's, it's wild to me that 
that whole concept just gets left behind when you leave sports. When we look at the people that are most proficient in their roles, whatever it is, sports, business, whatever, they have these coaches. Um, they're still going through those processes and everyone else is like, good luck. You're on your own, Chief. Right. And it, I just don't think when you're a mentee, when you're that young professional, you don't know what you need. And so mm-hmm. I think it makes it really difficult if you don't have, you know, some people have that mentor that is more like a coach. Um, but I think a lot of people don't, and they're not getting everything out of the relationship that they can. And uh, I know you, you're doing a lot of work now with Better Up in Healthcare, and and how does, you know, coaching, providing that service that Better Up does, improve employee retention rates, which we know in healthcare is really a problem right now. Yeah. So one of the things is really cool. I kind of geek out over all the, um, in sports, it was like all the data and analytics that are behind, like, what's the story being told of how this team is winning football games. Now it's like, what's the story being told by this data that tells us this business is successful. So better up owns the largest database in the world in the history of the world on human behavior change in the workplace. And so we can look at trends and say, when someone is feeling this, they're more likely to leave. When someone is feeling this, they're more productive at their job. And so we look at all that data and all those trends over time, and you start to be able to tell the story of like, we know that if in a coaching session, you can pull certain levers and you can boost up a person's engagement at work, you can boost up a person's well-being at home, you can boost up these four categories, then they're more likely to stay and they're more productive in their roles. And so we actually just like released a case study recently where partnered with a healthcare organization, uh, it was OSF Health, uh, and so like, now they give it all their clinicians and everything. The people are happier in their roles. They're more productive. They actually, their patient outcomes have gone up, which makes hospitals a bunch of money, as you know. Yeah. And then now they're also not leaving at as high of a rate. And so everyone's winning in it. Um, but it's just like you, I don't know, you wake up and all of a sudden you, you've had someone to work with on this thing that's been bothering you at work. So instead of like everything piling up, you're able to kind of deal with it and move forward and make progress. And I think that I, I won't pretend to be one of the people that's analyzing on data anything, but I can speak anecdotally about myself when I'm feeling progress, whether it's sports, work, whatever it is, when I'm feeling progress, when I feel like I'm being invested in all of that, I'm good. Like, let's go. I'm waking up. I'm excited to go get to work. Um, when you don't feel that, I think is when you're like kind of stuck in a rut and it's yeah. like, I guess I'll go kind of schlep through this today. And, and I, as someone who's had a fair share of injuries and gotten cut and open, cut open a couple of times, like, I don't know that I want my, my doctor or the nurse helping me out to be like, oh, I guess I got to go get through this today. I got to be here. So whatever. No, that's great. That's great. Well, well now it's that time. It's that time for our persuasive pitches. So much like sales, you know, which requires a persuasive argument that tells a story. Mm. um, Lawyers do the same thing in our advocacy efforts. So we we always like to practice these skills. I haven't practiced mine. And today, like I said earlier, we're going to be pitching our power sunglasses. Where's James's camera? So here we go. I, I didn't mean to. Where the All blue right. tie and the, I'm the blue glasses. <laughs> so Shaq, you want to go first? I know you prepared one. I'm I'm excited. I'm excited to hear yeah, this. I'm, I'm eager. I'm curious to see how I like to put these on. Um, yeah, I, I can go first. So I, I'd like for everyone. This is kind of an immersive sales pitch. So if you would um, kind of play along here with me. But okay. To start this off, I, I just want you to close your eyes and, and think back to your childhood. Mm. I'm with you, Shaq. What did you want to be when you were younger? More mm. importantly, who did you want to be when you were younger? Mm. Was it an athlete? A uh, Michael Jordan, a Mia Hamm, a Michael Phelps, a Tom Brady? Was it someone in business? Maybe it's a Steve Jobs, a Mark Zuckerberg, someone like that. 
the one thing that all those people have in common is that they own sunglasses. And so we cannot, in good faith, say with certainty that the sunglasses are not what made those people successful. Mm. So if you want to live out your childhood dreams, it stands to reason that you could only hurt yourself by not owning sunglasses. Buy sunglasses because nobody's tougher than the sun. Oh, <laughs> nobody's tougher well, than I just the wanted, sun. When I was a child, I wanted to get to heaven. And I, didn't, I don't know if Jesus wore these, but I like it. Mark <laughs> Zuckerberg. <laughs> <laughs> I, don't know if, I don't know if the apostles could afford these Versace frames. Oh, wow. But this is what I'll say. Those are the Versace. This is what I'll Those say. Those are the Versace. So, Kevin, are you up? I think uh, you should uh, just please go. Stop, please stop interrupting my lead in. <laughs> Jeez. This is what I'll say. And I haven't rehearsed the thing, Shaq, but it all feels like it's been in me from day one. <laughs> Truthfully, the most important thing you can have in your life and the thing you must protect the most, Shaq, is your vision. And follow me down this road here. I'm not necessarily speaking your optical ability to perceive your surroundings. I'm talking about what do you close your eyes and see yourself doing? That's what matters the most. That's what must be protected. And as you do that, you've got to understand that vision is the most important thing you will ever have in your entire life. And you got to protect it at all costs. Mm. And that's mm. why when you put on the Versace, they don't name these, but it's model 2140 <laughs> black with the black stem with the gold line on the side. You will understand what it means to protect your vision. Get these Versace glasses, James. Mm. Trust me with your vision. Mm. Tr hey, trust us with your vision, Shaq. That's what it is, Versace. Trust us with your vision. That was, that was good. Yes, that sir. Was good. I had to get low in there, too. I was just... <laughs> 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 All right, Missy, you going or me? All right. <clears throat> you should never have to sacrifice style for function and quality. Amen. And with mm. Chanel sunglasses, you don't have to. When I'm riding to court, I leave the little island that I live on and I cross over the bridge and I stare back into the sunlight and I can see it crystal clear because these lenses are polarized to high quality and it gives that first moment of serenity as I think about how I'm going to present my client's arguments to court. And then I continue along my journey and I roll into the courthouse parking lot and I know all eyes are going to be on me. Amen. That's the first opportunity that opposing counsel has to size me up. Mm. Mm. It's my opportunity to look strong. I slide out of my Jeep Rubicon with my Chanel sunglasses on. You sound like Ric Flair right and now. And I flip my hair and check my nails because <laughs> this is how Chanel's do it. <laughs> Never sacrifice style for quality. Amen. Mm. Get some Amen. Chanel. That's what you say. You're talking to the <laughs> diamond ring wearing, <laughs> drink Rubicon riding, island living, jet flying. <laughs> 
That was good. I, oh, I like now, Shaq, I want to be very clear what you're about to hear. <laughs> you're about to hear a four-week prepared pitch from uh, James. It, was, it actually wasn't four-week prepared. It's been I, so, it's been so thoroughly prepared, Shaq, that it's actually in a note it is. on his iPhone. <laughs> it is. Okay? It, so don't think are. don't think that this is what we've just done. This I is, just want to jump in there and say that Kevin stole a little bit of Shaq's. Wow. Magic. I agree. I, I mean, did you see I that? I had been talking about the vision for a while. Oh. I, and I, I actually forgot this. Be? This is why I forgot this. These are not sunglasses. I wear these at night. I wear these in the club. I wear these when I'm out at dinner. I call these moon shades when I got I'm them not, on after I'm, seven. I'm not surprised. These are, these are moon Zero, shades one, when I got one, them on two, after five. 7 p.m. Come on. <laughs> All right, James, you have the floor. Hey, Kevin, I actually wrote this this, this morning. That's, okay. why, that's why I have it written down. That's why I'm going to have to look at it because I'm not prepared. Typically, I would want to memorize this because of the effect. I just, anyway, I'm excited to hear what you have to say. We talk about memorizing things a lot, James. I think you're kind of going. Here we again. go. <laughs> it's my moment, Misty. There is no doubt, Kevin, that the Don't fundamental impact <laughs> of wearing sunglasses is to protect your eyes. Amen. Not only from the sun, mm. but from other elements. What else? Whether that's the wind, yeah. whether that's sand, whether that's even dirt. Mm. But what people fail to recognize is the psychological impact that sunglasses can have on a person. Talk to me. You see, the right mm. sunglasses give you the power of unpredictability. It can provide an unwarranted sense of confidence, and it can give you a feeling mm. of invincibility. Mm. Mm -hmm. During a time of pain, when you have been hit and you've been hit hard, a parent like Misty and myself have the opportunity to protect our children, to ensure that they're not upset based upon the pain that we're dealing with simply by covering that emotion up with the right sunglasses. Mm. Kevin, the right sunglasses gives you the courage to approach and introduce yourself to the woman that could be your future wife. Amen. Mm. And so during a time in which this world is filled with turmoil and chaos, let the Maui gym Red sands, polarized, UV-protected, uh -huh. anti-fog, anti-corrosion <laughs> sunglasses. Be a way that you view the world We got to get a little organ playing when you go because yeah. you're preaching. These sunglasses yeah. give you the ability to see without ever being seen. Amen. Oh, okay. The cloak of confidence. I want to know what are those sunglasses pro? They're anti a lot. Yeah. <laughs> they sound like they're, they're anti-fog, anti-collision. I mean, you need a you need a you need to put some All right. Some, I don't know. They were all pretty good. Scriptures on those. Right. I thought I was ready to hear something from the Bible out of. I mean, faithful what is Can it? Can they help you walk on water? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> These non-GMO glasses. Shout out for, to Tom for giving me the type of thing yeah. they were. I, I oh, had no idea. Man. But anyway. That is fabulous. Well, it has been wonderful having you join us, Shaq. Um, another great episode of the Zealous Advocate podcast. Hold on. I want to say this, Tom. Before you end it, I want you to clip this picture of me right here and put it on this. <laughs> On the actual video, because you always get these terrible shots in me. So I'm gonna sit still okay, for five minutes. Everybody give their best pose All right, right here now. We go. There we go. Okay, All we right. got it. That's gotta be it. 
I'm open with something. I'm like half talking. My hair is all terrible. <laughs> what hair? It's not the right. Oh, wow. That's crazy. You would say That's that on live. That's what you get for interrupting me. No, I apologize. Okay. Hey, Kevin, all due respect, it's, it's not the picture. <laughs> okay. Woo, it's been a spicy one, everyone. Well, follow us on Spotify. Hit that bell. You'll get alerted when new episodes drop. You can find us wherever you find our podcast. Thank you for joining the Zealous Advocate Podcast. Thank you. Thank you, Shaq. Appreciate it, bye. Thanks for tuning in to the Zealous Advocate Podcast. Make sure to subscribe to follow us wherever you get your podcasts.